This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of the lake is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Talking Halos. This is Jared Timms alongside with, I guess I can call you my co-host now, um, Brent McGuire. Brent, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well, all things considered. Raining. Raining. Can't go out. but Lots of rain. A lot of rain. <laughs> Confined to our houses. Right. It, it is what it is. Brent, I kind of forgot to do something last time, and I'll just start off by saying, it. Brent, where can we find you on Twitter and every place? I mean, like, you're, you write a little bit and all that stuff. Where can we find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at bmags94. You can type my name in, Brent McGuire. And then I am writing at Crashing the Pearly Gates, which is a newer Angels website that's kind of like the uh, Halo's Heaven leftovers, basically. They uh, went a different way, so a lot of those writers went to a new spot. Hey, you know, as long as uh, you're doing what you like and like and want to do, you know, talking baseball, writing baseball, doing everything baseball, you know, it's a good thing. So we have a, an interesting, I guess, interesting show planned for you here. If you guys listened to mine and Brent's last podcast on here, we talked about, you know, the art of pitching in a sense. I think that's, I, I think that's what we're going to try to call it, the art of pitching. Um, and, you know, the new way we perceive pitching. And it's an interesting concept. If you haven't listened to the first one, it's, we go into a lot of detail. We kind of ramble on a little bit. Um, it, it's not a bad ramble. It's just kind of a lot of technical stuff it's it might be a boring podcast to some but you know i i think we're going to kind of turn turn the corner on hopefully boring stuff and we're going to going to i don't know maybe start talking a little bit more fun stuff i guess we're, today we're going to talk a little andrew heaney who is probably you know one of the more interesting pitchers when it comes to all of this stuff on baseball savant and um advanced stats that you know you can really come Brent, what's your first thoughts just just give me a, just a normal you know first thought on andrew heaney yeah, so I know you and I have kind of talked at length about what his arsenal is like, kind of his arm slot. Everything about him is not the norm. There's a lot of a lot of unique stuff that we're definitely going to get into today. And uh, you know, 
I really want to see him stay healthy for a couple of years because I think the stuff and the arsenal and the way he pitches is super interesting. And I really do think there's some potential there for him to become like that mid-rotation starter that we've kind of always projected him to be. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. There's 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 a lot of potential there. There's a reason why he was a top 20 prospect in baseball with the Marlins for most. I mean, the injuries have you know hurt him. I, we saw him basically fully healthy for one year in his career, which was in 2018 when he threw 180 innings and he made 30 starts and he still started on the DL that year, but he made, you know, the rest of his starts that year. I believe I'm assuming he stayed off the DL that year. Um, after he, after obviously he started, I think it was, it was either shoulder or elbow inflammation. I can't remember. It was something, one of those two in 2018. Um, first, before we get into Andrew Heaney, us here at talking halos it's still a fairly new podcast i think i don't know if we've celebrated our one year anniversary yet or that's probably up to derek i i think i think we were pretty pretty close to it um and you know it's it's been a blast it's been fantastic here at talking halos but you know it's it's nothing without the fans support it's nothing without your guys support who listen to this and we thank you for that and if you haven't already we'd love to get some feedback from you guys we we love hearing it we love hearing, you know, the positives, the negatives, you know, like tell us how we're doing here. Um, me and Brent, especially because, you know, we, we we don't really hear too much about it. But yeah, tell 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 us how you like this little, I guess, series we're doing here about the art of pitching um, at talking halos at Gmail dot com. You can go there, email us um, and then you can also follow us at talking halos on Twitter. You know, shoot us a direct message, do do whatever you got to do. Um, but, you know, let us know how we're doing. And if you like this that much, go on to iTunes and give us a five-star review. Only if we've earned it, though. Please, only if we've earned it. All right, guys. So back on to Andrew Heaney. Um, I'm just going to kind of go over his, you know, just kind of, I guess we can call him now normal stats in a sense. Um, from 2019, he pitched 95 innings, made 18 starts. He had a 4.91 ERA, a 4.63 FIP and accumulated a 1.2 war um, in those 18 starts. Brent, um, when you look at just the normal stats, and I, it's kind of weird that we just call them normal stats now, but when you look at just the regular stats, does anything pop out to you with Andrew Heaney? Yeah, I think every year he's one of those guys that's always posting these really nice underlying stats. You're looking at his strikeout percentage and his walk percentage. And, you know, it suggests that there's a lot more in the tank, but he's always kind of underperforming um, what maybe his ERA should be. Like, you look at last year, and he had a really, really nice strikeout minus walk percentage, but his ERA was close to five, like you just mentioned. And it's it's interesting. I think you know, as we get more numbers on these pitchers and more video and that kind of stuff, we can start to kind of break down why pitchers may overperform or underperform. I'm sure we'll get into that today, but I think the first thing that stands out is just that he's kind of underperformed uh, what he should be doing in some of his full seasons in the majors. Yeah, you know, I wonder if in some sense it could almost be a mentality of last year. You know, I know the Angels pitching staff was kind of taught new different things, and in a sense it, it hurt to help him. I don't know if that really makes sense, but it hurt him. I mean, he, he had a lot of, you know, the, we talked about the strikeout to walk ratio and that that was really good last year. I think he had a 28% um, strikeout percentage and he had a like an 8% walk percentage. So, I mean, that's that's really good. That's something that you look for and that you see trends and that's an up. That's something that's going to trend upwards for good pitchers. You know, if they're going to be striking out a lot of guys and they're going to be walking not very many guys, that's a good thing. And that's what Andrew Heaney did well last year. 
And like I said, I wonder if it kind of had something to do with the Angels' mentality last year. I'm looking at his game log, and he only pitched five or five or more innings in. Let's see, all just like seven of those starts. I wonder if that was kind of a thing because I know Brad Ausmus last year didn't really like to pitch guys over five innings. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely an interesting question to bring up. I know there are several young pitchers who didn't really click with pitching coach Doug White, who obviously is not with the team anymore. And I think specifically in regards to Heaney, I think his his arsenal is a little odd. So I think it's really hard sometimes to figure out what works for him. And I'm sure we'll probably dive more into this. But um, yeah, it's a it's a unique arsenal, and it's kind of interesting to figure out how he should pitch to his strengths moving forward. Yeah, you bring up the Arsenal. Let's just jump right into that because I, I know that, you know, I, I've kind of been preaching on it to you for a while now, almost like a month. Like, dude, Andrew Heaney is super similar to Chris Sale in almost every single way um, when it comes to his their arsenals. It's 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 kind of uncanny. Like, you look at certain things that Chris Sale does and Andrew Heaney does. I'll, I'll get to Chris Sale and how they compare in a second. Brent, I know you've been you did a lot of research uh, last night for this podcast, Brent, what would you come up with when it came to the arsenal? I'll, I'll let you go. Cause I know you have a lot of notes on this. So just, just rattle it off. Let me know what you got on it. Yeah. So I'm wondering if maybe it's best to just go pitch by pitch and I'm sure you've got your information too. So, I mean, it all starts with, I, we call it a sinker. That's what it's classified as, but I mean, it really doesn't operate like a sinker. It's got a ton of spin. He throws it up in the zone a lot. There's a lot of horizontal movement. But, you know, the pitch works for him. It's a really interesting pitch. Just like I said, lots of spin, lots of active spin, which means he's getting his pitches on the right axis to get to home plate. And, you know, it's it's weird because he calls it a sinker. That It's classified as a sinker. But I think you and I both know it's not really a sinker. But it's it's unique nonetheless. And I think it's a pitch that he's started to get more comfortable with pitching kind of up in the zone to get more swings and misses. But yeah, that's uh, that's the pitch he starts with, and it kind of leads to him utilizing his other pitches. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know what we can really call it. It's it's really interesting. I mean, it's a forcing, it's a good forcing fastball, but when you classify it as a sinker, it's just not a very good sinker. Um, it's because it's not a sinker. <laughs> it doesn't sink at all. It's um, when, when you look at it, and I'm going to kind of compare it to Chris Sale's pitches here, in a sense. Um, last season, Andrew Heaney threw his sinker forcing fastball whatever you want to call it for uh 57.9% of the time which is a lot you know for a for a fastball nowadays you know we don't see that as much um it was it came in at 92.5 miles an hour um had an it had a uh, average spin rate of 2500 rpms which is a lot for a sinker like i mentioned before when you are looking to create depth in a pitch you want to kill spin a little bit more and that's not something that you really want in a sinker or something that's classified as a sinker. So the fact that it has so much spin is, you know, one of the reasons why um, it's kind of interesting that it's called a sinker. Um, and then it had 16.5 inches of vertical break, which isn't a lot. It's a very flat sinker. It's a good fastball. It has a lot, has, almost has that type of, you know, rising action on it. Um, and, and if you compare this pitch to Chris Sale. Chris Sale threw his four-seam fastball 35.4% of the time last year for um, a 93.4 average miles an hour and a 2300 RPMs, well, in between 23 and 2400 RPMs. 
and it actually had more vertical break on it, so it sank more than Andrew Heaney's sinker did. And yet, his four-seam fastball is classified as a fastball, four-seam fastball. <laughs> so, and, and actually, and also, I forgot horizontal break when it came to Andrew Heaney's sinker horizontally. It moved fourteen point two inches, um, and Chris Sale's fastball ran fourteen point eight inches. So, super interesting. I and honestly, when you look at it, they kind of do come out of the same arm slot too. I know I've I've kind of done a lot of research on it. Um, Chris Sale, I believe, is a tad bit lower. I guess you can call him a low three quarters guy. Where Andrew Heaney is a true three quarter guy. Um, and it's just it's it's kind of uncanny between the two of them. You know what it really comes to. And one other thing, I I did watch an Andrew Heaney start last night where he went eight innings and struck out. I think twelve guys that night or something along the lines of that. Trout had a home run against Texas. It, it was it was a fun game to watch. Um, but he actually, from what I could see, it, it was hard to tell. But it looks like he holds a two seam grip in his hands. So I don't know, you know, if he would be better going to a four seam grip. I don't know if he actually holds a four seam grip. But it looked to me like before he came set behind his you know back before pitcher you know in, in the in those in the stretch, it looked like he was holding a two seam. So it is kind of interesting in a sense, you know to have that type of grip and not be able to move it that much. I mean, you know, that's just, you know, the, the art of science. It's something that us here, you know, we don't get to see Andrew Heaney up close and we don't know what those numbers really truly are. But, you know, all things leading, I mean, I don't know. Why why wouldn't you go to a four-seam fastball in a sense, you know? Yeah, it's, it's so weird. Like, you touched on a lot of interesting points. And you think about what the pitch characteristics are of both a forcing fastball and a sinker and what you want them to do. And Andrew Heaney's quote unquote sinker doesn't get ground balls like a sinker does. It doesn't have the vertical movement. It doesn't move like a sinker, but it does have the spin that a forcing fastball has. And it's got good horizontal movement. What's interesting is the vertical movement is not great or anything. So it's a little, it's interesting because he gets lots of spin. He gets lots of active spin on the pitch, but the vertical movement is it's about average if you were to group it as a fastball. So I don't know what that is you know, related to. I don't know if that has to do with his grit, his arm slot. Maybe you can talk about this more, Jared. You spent a lot of time with pitchers and stuff. So maybe you can touch on that. Yeah. You know, the one yeah. thing, and I, I, I tried my best to preach it in our first episode of this series, I guess is what we're calling it, um, is abnormalities. And in a sense, that's what you have here with Andrew Heaney is an abnormality. A fastball is an abnormality. You know, it's it's just not the norm. Um, it's it, it's a it's a it's it's a weird pitch, and it seems to work for him. You know, it seems to be something that is working for him. And if you you know if he got on the right philosophy, and I think honestly, it's a health thing. If he stayed healthy for a full year, and we saw another one, it, it could almost be like a breakout year for him. You know, he, he's he's very due for a breakout year in, in a sense. And it's the weird things that happen. And you combine him with a guy like Dylan Bundy, who I think we'll probably end up doing with our next episode in this in this series is kind of just go through Dylan Bundy and what he does well. But, you know, it's um, if you pair him with with Dylan Bundy, it's it's going to be kind of an interesting, interesting season for him. I think, you know, if as long as all things go well and he stays healthy, there's a there's a very good chance. I think he could be a three win pitcher this year if you know if he stays healthy you know even with a, if it is a shortened season i think he could be a very good piece for the angels and possibly you know like I said, lead him to a postseason he's the opening day starter take that for what it's worth i know 
we don't really care about the rotation all that much when it comes to one through five. And, um, you know, it, it, Ricky Nolasco was the number one, number one, I have air quotes right now, um, a couple of years ago, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I feel like I, and we're just talking about a fastball this at, at the very, this very moment, we'll get into his other pitches, but it seems to me like something, it's an abnormality and it's something that could really work for him as long as that philosophy that is instilled in him is right. And it's going to be interesting to see what, what um, Mickey Calloway does with him, you know? So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, definitely. You want to move on to his other pitches? Yeah. Um, yeah. Where do we go here? Do we call it a curveball or slider? That's the next question. <laughs> oh man. That's um, so I know you and I have talked about this a lot too. Uh, again, this is classified as a curveball, but you look at all the characteristics and it, it just doesn't, it doesn't operate really like a like a curveball it's more of a slider or maybe even a slur i mean it's got average spin below average active spin percentage uh the velocity is like average and then you look at the the movement profile and it's like it's about average in terms of vertical and horizontal movement but even with that being the case it's his best pitch you look at pretty much every year in the major so far that's been his go-to pitch as far as whiffs go and i think we can re- we can probably correlate that to his command of the pitch. You can kind of look at his uh, his zone chart on Baseball Savant. You see a lot of curveballs that are down and in on right-handers and away down and away from left-handers. And I think it works for him. It's just really it's interesting to think that there could be even more in the tank if there's a little adjustment. But I don't know how much you really want to change what's been you know a strength for him. Yeah, one of the only things that, and I'll, I'll go to a change here right now, is I would probably throw that pitch a little bit more, you know? I would take some away from the fastball and start working this pitch a little bit more, especially with the success he's had with this pitch. Uh, he threw it 27% of the time last year, which, you know, isn't isn't bad, but, you know, I'd like to see that move up a little bit. Um, the average speed of it was 79.4 miles an hour. It had 49.3 inches of vertical break, which... I think, like we said, is just, you know, not, not bad, not great. And then it had seven point, um, seven inches of horizontal break with an, with an, with spin rate of 2550. So it's, it's an interesting pitch. And then I believe you, you have the spin efficiency, I, I think on there, right? That's, you, you're able to get those now, Brent. Yeah. I mean, we've got the, at least we've got the active spin percentage. And I think, uh, Michael Augustine's piece about Heaney has, some of that information it looks like the spin efficiency is around 60 percent jared is that is that considered good is that bad is it average what is so you're looking at more of a slurve in a sense and that's kind of i guess where we're at with this pitch it is kind of a slurve um but it but it works for him it's not really a slider and it's not really a curveball and, and everything that i saw last night really i as i was watching the video if you guys forgot that i i, I was watching andrew heaney's start and it kind of, that was the first thing that popped in my head. The first pitch that he threw is like, dang, that was a little more slurvy than it was a curveball. You know, it doesn't have that true 12-6, you know, 1-7, or I guess it would be more of an 11-5 action for a lefty. You know, it doesn't really have that type of curveball feel to it. And yet it doesn't really have the Chris Sale sweeping slider, Randy Johnson sweeping slider type of thing either. You know, it's it's kind of right in the middle. So with that spin efficiency that you gave, it, it that makes sense because with a curveball, if we don't remember, um, we want it as close as we can to a hundred percent on on that pitch it, and spinning on that true axis. 
And with a slider, the le- you know it, you want it in between twenty to forty percent uh, spin efficiency. So spinning more in a sense like a football, giving it you know pulling it down more with its actual gravity instead of pulling it down with you know actual curve spin going down. So you know being that it's a sixty percent spin efficiency, if that's correct, and you know that, that's I trust the math there. That, I, that makes sense that he's throwing more of a slurve and you're going to have to classify this pitch as either a curveball or a slider. And it's, I guess, in a sense, more curvy than it is slider-ish, but it's a, it, it's an interesting pitch nonetheless. And when you compare it, and I'll throw the comparisons out there, you compare it to Chris Sale's slider, um, which he threw 38.4% of the time, which is 10% more than what Heaney threw his pitch last year. It came in at average 79 miles an hour. 49.8 inches of vertical break, which is really similar, almost exactly the same as Heaney's, um, though it broke horizontally seven inches more. So it was definitely, uh, Chris Sales pitch is more, definitely more of a slider because you have more of that horizontal movement. Um, and then with the act, and with the spin rate, it ends up being about 2,500. So very similar pitch in all honesty to Andrew Heaney, but you know, it's just more, horizontal <laughs> in a sense than it is sliderish which le- would lead me to believe that the spin the uh spin efficiency would go down on chris sales pitch um another interesting i have two other comparisons here josh Hader's slider which he threw just 15 percent of the time last year it averaged 81 miles an hour 39 inches of vertical break which is um 10 inches less um but it averaged 7.4 inches of horizontal break which was very similar to Andrew Heaney's pitch, and it actually spun a little bit more at 2,600 um, RPM. That was the average for Josh Hader's slider. So um, it's 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 super interesting, you know, and the guys you compare this pitch to, Josh Hader has had a whole bunch of success here in the recent, in the past, and Chris Sale, who's, he's won a Cy Young before too, right? So if you compare Andrew Heaney's first two pitches here to these two guys, it's, it's very similar, and it has... <laughs> It has breakout season written all over it as long as that philosophy is right. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice if Heaney's velocity was a little bit higher. I mean, I know sales velocity has dipped, but man, if you get mid-90s Andrew Heaney instead, that would be something. Uh, But back talking about this curveball, I mean, I'm looking at Michael Augustine's piece again, which, again, if you haven't read this one, it's super interesting. Um, And one of the things that he talks about is how there's a lot of gyro spin, which I know Jared got into last podcast and that might be killing some of the depth that is on that pitch. So it makes me think that a possibly um, changing his grip or the arm slot a little bit could add more depth to the pitch. But again, like I kind of alluded to, you don't really want to change too much with the pitch because it basically generates, you know, 40% whiff rates on an annual basis. It's a good pitch. It's a go-to pitch. So it's like how much change do you really want to make? Do you really want to tinker with something that's already you know, his best pitch and something that he's going to rely on a lot moving forward. Yeah, definitely. And this is actually an interesting time to bring up what you um, wanted to bring up a lot last podcast, and that's spin mirroring, you know. Um, And I think that's kind of, in a sense, what we're really seeing here with this pitch. And we'll kind of get into, I guess we'll get into it with the change up because it does have a different spin though it doesn't move the same um you know it doesn't move away from each other he doesn't have those two pitches that you know his fastball's 
pretty straight and flat. You know, it, it doesn't have a whole lot of movement to it. And then you throw in this curveball slurve, let's call it a slurve from now on, this slurve that he throws that breaks, you know, kind of away from a, a lefty, kind of into a righty. You know, it's not a true curveball, 12-6. And then you look at it, and then you look at his changeup, which we'll talk about next. And that really doesn't have the spin of a, you know, away from his curveball, away from his fastball. So it's it's kind of, you know, interesting that, you know, this is this is our abnormal this is an abnormality with Andrew Heaney. He doesn't have that spin mirroring, you know, like that we really I think see, I don't think. You know, at least that's what I'm seeing through. I'm looking at his baseball savant right now with his three pitches. None of them really spin away from each other, you know. It, it's 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 kind of interesting. I wonder if that's something that that it's not really I guess it's kind of taught, not really, you know, in a sense. It's it's something that you kind of learn over time with, but it, it's another thing that I think could possibly help him down the road is maybe working on the spin mirroring and tunneling in a sense. Yeah, the the changeup is definitely his worst pitch when you look at the characteristics. Like, like you mentioned, doesn't really move that much. It's kind of firm. He spins it really hard, and it's got a little bit of like horizontal action to it, but it really doesn't have the movement that you want from a changeup, and the numbers kind of reflect that. There's not a lot of ground balls. There's not a high strikeout rate, so makes you wonder if there's a way that he can adjust his grip a little bit to try to get a little more movement, maybe take some velocity off. And I know that's easier said than done, but um, I do think that this pitch is probably a big reason why he's never taken that next step forward because you look at his splits and if he had that good pitch that went away from right-handers, he might be in better shape because you look at the lefty-righty splits. I mean, it, he's better across the board against lefties, better strikeout rate, better walk rate, better fifth. I mean, everything. So that would be a huge pitch for him moving forward if he can try to mirror that pitch a little bit better with his fastball and curveball. Yeah, and on to the changeup. He threw that 15% of the time last year. It came in averaging 84.7 miles an hour, so almost 85 miles an hour. Um, he did kill spin, you know, decently well for a high spin rate type of guy. Um, came in almost at 2,000 RPM, which, again, when we're creating depth on a pitch, that's something that you really kind of want to do is kill spin. It, it would be interesting to see what he could do if he killed 100, 200 RPMs on that pitch, if that becomes... Not that, I mean, it would probably help him with his depth, to be honest. You know, it would be, it would be with that pitch that goes away from those lefties and in on, a, or actually take it back, thinking of a righty. It would be going away from a righty and in on a lefty and probably help him out a little bit more. You know, like we said, he is a high spin rate guy and killing spin is not an easy thing to do. But like you've alluded to before, maybe just a simple, you know, change in a grip, maybe a different feel on it um, could, you know, realistically work for him. Um, onto his vertical movement last year, um, his changeup was 30.6 inches of vertical movement, which isn't great. It was below league average, but it did have 17.2 inches of vertical break, which was 20% above league average. So it's, it's kind of interesting on that horizontal break that it's moving so far, you know, away from, from those righties yet. It doesn't seem like it does. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting because, you know, the pitch, so looking at the horizontal of it, it does move away a decent amount from right-handers, like you just mentioned, but the results just, they're not really there. I mean, hitters slugged, uh, what was it, 568 against his changeup last year. I mean, that's just, that's really rough. So I know he generally commands that pitch well, was a lot better early on in his career, but right now he's 
kind of in this hard spot where he's throwing this changeup that's it's too hard. He doesn't locate it quite as well. It's getting hit around. And like I mentioned before, I think until he can kind of fix that pitch a little bit and get better results, he's going to kind of be held back, especially against right-handed batters. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's super interesting. All these pitchers with Andrew Heaney. I'm, last thing before we leave, like I said, we're trying to keep these podcasts decently short for everybody so they kind of enjoy listening to this. Brent, I know that you put a piece on here from The Athletic um, down at the bottom. I, what, do you have anything on that? Anything that kind of stood out from that article? Yeah, so uh, Eno Saris from The Athletic wrote a really interesting uh, piece. This was two years ago. and kind of just broke down what his profile was like. And like we've talked about, everything about the profile is super odd and just totally different from the norm. Um, I found it interesting to see that he, Andrew Heaney, calls his curveball a curve, so it's not a slider, at least according to him, even if it operates a little a little differently. And I think Eno kind of just touched on a lot of the same things that we've talked about, like changing up the grip a little bit of his changeup would help, using his forcing fastball up in the zone a little bit more, using the curveball more, that kind of stuff. Unfortunately, you know, he wasn't healthy last year. We're, you know, not playing baseball right now, so we can't see some of these results take place on the field. But again, like we've kind of alluded to, I still think there's breakout potential with him. If he can stay healthy for, you know, 150 to 200 innings and kind of start incorporating some of these things that we're talking about, I think there's, you know, big things ahead for him. Yeah. And it, just last thing that I kind of want to touch on, you talk about pitching up in the zone with Heaney. Uh, I, I, if, if I'm not mistaken, we did see an increase in the strikeout percentage last year and Doug White, you know, did preach that if I'm not mistaken, a lot is, you know, a pitch up in the zone, you know, work off that, that seemed to kind of work for Andrew Heaney. So it'll be interesting to see this year if that continues with Mickey Calloway, you know, it's something that I don't know. I, I, we don't talk to Andrew Heaney to know if he liked it or not. But it would be, you know, interesting to know if he did like Doug White's pitching philosophy, because in a sense, it did work for him. You know, uh, it, it, it did show something. There was something there with pitching up in the zone, whether or not, you know, that Andrew Heaney's secondary pitches work well enough with it. That's that's the next question. But I, I think there's something there with pitching up in the zone with Heaney, even if you do consider his sinker a sinker, <laughs> you know, and it's not a good thing to pitch a sinker up in the zone. but He's getting a lot of swings and misses up in the zone and, you know, he's striking out a lot of people. So it's, it's an interesting thing to see this year if that, that, that's going to continue or not. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, there's one other point that I kind of found interesting. I was looking at his Brooks baseball page and his vertical release point has basically been steadily dropping every year since he came to the big leagues. It was, I think it's dropped about half a foot since his 2014 debut. And, you know, we've kind of talked about this concept of, you know, pitch plane and like you want, you don't want, you want vertical movement to be lower on the pitch. You want the pitch like coming up without that. Um, Jared, you could probably do a better job of explaining this, but basically his vertical release point is dropping and that means the plane on the pitch is being affected by that. And that could be something that he could tweak a little bit moving forward. Yeah. By vertical release point, do you mean where he's releasing the ball? So his like release height in a sense? yes exactly okay so yes if i mean if his release height's dropping that's something that you know he's uh, when he came up in the minors they he saw something he was probably a high three quarters guy instead of being a true three quarter guy like we saw and you know it's an interesting thing because most of the time we see a good amount of 
horizontal movement on guys that are going to be dropping their arms. And it's not the case here with this, especially if he does have that two seam grip, like I think I saw, um, it, 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 it's kind of interesting that he's not getting that, that type of movement. You know, I don't know. If, it could also be the fact that, and I'm sitting here in my room kind of mimicking what I think he's doing. And I know nobody can see this, but I feel like it could also be the fact where he's releasing, you know, his fingers on the ball too. You know, if he's releasing on top of the ball a little bit more, I don't know. That could create less. That's actually probably going to create less, less horizontal movement a lot of the times if you're getting that more one o'clock to 12 o'clock spin on the ball. And that's could possibly be what we're seeing, even though he is kind of coming from a three quarter spot. So like I said, it's tough for us to really, really tell, you know, without having all of the data on it. But it's a super interesting thing to know that, you know, I wonder if it would work, you know, him dropping down to almost a full sidearm type of guy. He's probably going to lose a little bit of velocity in it. But, you know, it's definitely something to think of. And I know we're not coaches in any sense, you know, of Major League Baseball. But it's definitely something that, you know, we've watched him enough to know. I Honestly, we probably watched him more than Mickey Calloway. And we've probably watched him more than um, Doug White has. And probably most other pitching coaches have you know, in the, in the past anyways, with all the starts we've seen from Andrew Heaney. So it's, it's, it's something that, you know, Hey, we probably are pretty familiar with this and it, it maybe dropping him down to a low three quarter guy would kind of be interesting and make more sense. And I don't know, create more strikeouts. I don't, like I said, it's, it's something that I probably wouldn't try too much with a major league pitcher just because I'm not, you know, that type of guy. I would, I would hate to be wrong with it in, in, in a guy's career, but it's something that's super interesting and something that you know, it could also come with injuries, you know, like fatigue in a sense is drop is dropping his arm down there. There's just so many things that could be happening there. So I, I, I don't know, Brent, do you have any closing thoughts on this subject or anything with Andrew Heaney? Any closing thoughts? Yeah, I think just kind of reiterating what you said, uh, we're, we're not the professionals here. We're kind of just looking at the information that we that we have available and kind of trying to figure out what works. Um, the cool thing for Heaney is that he's got all this technology. At his hands, I'm assuming the Angels are using Edgertronic cameras, just like everybody else is, the Rapsodo. So it'll be interesting to see if they're working with him actively on trying to fix things or if Haney's kind of cool with what he's working on. I do think it's interesting that he's been pretty open and talking with people like Eno Saris about his arsenal. So that makes me think that he might be a little more proactive on trying to fix things. But who knows? I, I think either way, I'm, I'm excited to see him back on the field uh, whenever that is yeah i'll finish off with this saying that i i've been saying preaching this for a while if, if you get a healthy a healthy andrew heaney at the start of the season i think that that's a big thing for him we've only seen that one time and during that one year he was a pretty pretty good pitcher that year so it, it's something that it health is going to be the main thing for heaney this year and all signs pointing he is completely healthy and hopefully he stays healthy and the whole team stays healthy because that's been kind of the the name of the game the past, I don't know what, four or five years is health. You know, if guys can stay healthy, this team is not a bad team by any means. It, you know, it's, it's, it could be lacking a few pieces, but it's not a bad team. It's a, it's a playoff caliber team. And, you know, it's, it's something that everybody kind of needs to stay healthy. It almost needs to, and since be a perfect year. And it's kind of feels like it, it might almost be kind of lining up for something like that. I know this isn't the start of the season that we're looking for right now, but it seems like, you know, this, this actually, this little break could help the Angels out a little bit and have Otani ready and, you know, everybody kind of ready. Um, 
Finally, Brent, is there anybody you want to talk about next? Like, who do you want to go for next? I, I kind of want to, you know, Bundy, Otani. I know we don't have too many things on Otani, so it's kind of hard. But, you know, do you want to go Bundy next? Yeah, I think Bundy would be fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm fascinated by Hansel Robles for a lot of reasons that we'll get into. So I think those guys are definitely up next on our list. Yeah, no, let's 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 talk. Let's think about Bundy next. Uh, just to give you guys a heads up, we'll, we'll go Dylan Bundy next. If anybody has any questions regarding Dylan Bundy that you want us to answer, please email us at talkinghalos at gmail.com. Brent, remind us again where we can find you. You can find me on Twitter at bmags94. Awesome. Uh, you can find myself at Jared underscore Tim's on Twitter, though I'm not on it too much right now. I'll be back on when baseball season's around. Um, and you can follow Talking Halos at Talking Halos um, at Talking Halos on Twitter. <laughs> Funny. Uh, so for all of us here, thank you so much again, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Keeping us going right now. Um, and everybody stay safe and have a great day. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.